0: It is Father's Day, and you know, if you've been around the church very much, that usually on Mother's Day, the sermon praises mothers, and on Father's Day, the sermon beats up on fathers. That's kind of the way it goes. But I think, I think it's easier to be a mother than a father. Just, it's just my idea, because whenever a little girl is born, what's the first toy that she's given? A baby. You're giving a baby to a baby you're essentially saying this is probably where it's going to end up so I may as well start now my wife's favorite toy when she was little was the easy bake oven so now every time i see her working out her big girl oven i think she's living out her childhood dream right there boys on the other hand are given things that they're probably not going to use in real life when i was nine my father gave me a working gun and the bullets. I was nine years old, in my room, loading a working gun. I must say that it did keep my sister from bursting in so much, but still, I'm not even allowed to have a gun anymore ever since that psychological evaluation, but I'm not going to tell you that. The, The truth is that I'm not that great of a father certainly compared to the fatherhood of God. I have my favorite picture of when my daughter was a little girl. Her name is Charity. I used to be a street performer, juggler, and I would say when I pass the hat, all this money goes to Charity, and she appreciates it. So I have a picture from when she was about two with two juggling clubs in one hand and her hanging upside down by one leg in the other hand really don't be calling welfare she grew up fine now she has a little girl so I'm gonna get that picture done again I didn't actually juggle her I was just holding her upside down by one leg but it it is it is difficult to to say say things on Father's Day because some people get angry if they're single because they've never been a father or some people are upset because they had a bad father, or some people have wayward children and they don't want to hear about Father's Day. But I think that we can avoid this with the realization that obviously children are the future of the kingdom of God. And whenever any of us influence a child, we influence the kingdom of God. And so I want to read to you today a passage of scripture about a child having been influenced by one of his parents. It's found in the last letter that the Apostle Paul ever writes. He has this young person that he's teaching, and this young man named Timothy has a church, and Paul realizes that he's going to be put to death very soon. And so he writes out this sort of book of church order, and he sends it in a letter to his young friend Timothy. And in this book that we call Second Timothy... Paul talks about the fact that Timothy has been a lover of Christ since he was a young man. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, this is what he says in verses 3 through 5. He says, "'I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy.'" I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. The reason that we today are reading the names of those two people, Lois and Eunice, is because they taught a little boy about the Scripture. They taught a little boy about God. And so, none of us today should ever overlook the amazing influence that we can have on children. And so, Paul tells us here in this passage how we can be a better influencer of children. We can see as we look at the passage three different things that he has for us. The first is the motive for the influence. You'll notice that Paul says there, I thank God. Paul is realizing that everything that happens in our lives is as a result of our perfect father god and that all that we have and all that we are is ultimately responsible we can be is made by god who we are in life is because of the way that god has influenced us And we all need to realize that Paul is telling us here our ancestors are important. Paul says, I'm worshiping God, and I thank God whom I serve just as my ancestors did. It's interesting that Paul says, I'm worshiping the same God that my ancestors did. We often hear about Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, but the truth is Paul was not converted on the road to Damascus. Paul was called on the road to Damascus, but he says here he's worshiping the same God that his ancestors did. What happened on the road to Damascus was that Paul came to realize that Jesus Christ was the Messiah whom he had been looking for. If you had asked Paul, are you a Jew or are you a Christian? He would have said, yes, I am. I'm a Jewish man who realizes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And so I go through life realizing that everything that has happened to me in my life is as a result of the fact that God is looking over me. And so all of us, the motive for influencing the children that are around us is because God does great things with people whom we would never expect. Paul, you would have never expected him to be a great missionary of Christianity. He was, after all, a person who hated Christianity, a person who didn't want Christianity to go forward. And yet God does amazing things with the most fragile circumstances. Years ago, I remember being just exceptionally tired here working at the church. And I remember saying to myself, if Dr. Kennedy, who was at that time about 70, if he can get up and go on EE, then I can get up and go on EE. Telling myself, he's seventy years old. I'm forty. I can, I can do it. And then one day, across the street at the Olive Garden, I saw Dr. Kennedy sitting by himself at lunch, and I asked if I could sit with him. And he said, "Fine." And I said, "Dr. Kennedy, what is it that keeps you going every day, even though you're you're tired? What keeps you going?" He said, "Well, when I see young people like you getting up out of bed every day." that keeps me going. And I thought, this is awfully fragile. This is not what I expected. But I came to realize that the truth is that that God uses all these different circumstances in our our lives to, to affect us, to make us who we are, to change us so that we can be the sort of people who can affect other people for the gospel. The motive for that influence is God himself. But then Paul moves on telling Timothy and telling us the method of the influence. He tells, first of all, the method of the influence is that he prays. He constantly prays night and day. And you see it there in the text. Years ago, this, I, I, I got a phone call. And this guy was on the other end of the line. I called up and I said, hello. He says, is this uh, Reverend Lamerson? And I said, maybe. Uh, who is this? And it wasn't the police, so I said, yeah, it is. And And he said, well, listen, I think I'm related to you. I think that we're related in some way. Can you come down to the hotel and meet me? And I said, okay. I didn't realize it then, but my wife said, you know, he might be a serial killer. You don't know who the guy is. He's calling you up saying he might be related to you. What is that about? <clears throat> so since I was a little nervous, I took my son, who was 12 at the time, thinking one of us could get away. And so we got there, and they were having this, it, it, they were having this meeting together of Marines who had stormed Iwo Jima. And there was this guy there in a wheelchair with his wife. And he, he recognized me and said, oh, you're, you're Lamerson. I said, yes, I am. His last name was Lamerson. His name was Stanley Lamerson. And amazingly enough, he was my grandfather's, my, grand, my grandfather's brother's son, whatever that is. I can't figure all that out. But at any rate, he knew my grandfather, whom I never knew. I only knew my father because my father was 50 when I was born, and his father was 48 when he was born. So my grandfather was born in the middle of the Civil War, believe it or not. And so he told me about all these different things, and I had brought with me these pictures that I didn't, I didn't know who they were because my father had died by that time. And he was telling me who these different pictures were of my ancestors, my great-grandfather, and my great-grandmother, whom I I didn't even know that that was their picture. And then he said, he said, you know, I knew that we were related when I saw in the phone book that you were a reverend. I said, really, how's that? He said, well, your great-grandmother, whom you have a picture of here, she always used to pray that God would send ministers into the family. And I thought, isn't that an amazing thing, that the prayers of this woman, whom I didn't even know, didn't even know her name, I had a picture of her, didn't even know who she was, but God was still fulfilling the prayers of that person, and t- Paul is saying to Timothy here that he is constantly praying for him in the morning and in the evening. And that is the way that we, that's the method that we use for influencing those that are around us by asking God that that he will indeed raise up the leaders of the church. It's not just prayer, but it's also a genuine love. That's another method of the influence. You'll notice that Paul says, as as I remember you, tears, I long to see you. Paul is apparently in prison here, knowing that he's not going to, to live very long. He longs to see Timothy, but knows that he will probably not be able to. And all of us today have the opportunity to genuinely love those people who are around us those children who are around us and affect them for the gospel. Not everybody in the church loves children, unfortunately. There was a guy here, this has been probably at least 15 years ago. There was a guy here who was the quintessential grouchy old man. He was like 85 years old walked with a cane, and just hated all the kids. You could hear him in his mind saying, get out of my yard. And one day, I was a children's minister, so he comes up to me one day, and he says to me, when are you gonna get these kids out of the service? I wanted to say, when are you gonna break your hip? But I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't say that. I didn't wanna be mean. I wanted to, but I wasn't allowed to. And I just thought, isn't that an awful, an awful thing to say? That there are so many instances in the New Testament of children in the service that Paul, in the book of Ephesians, has some explicit... Commands for fathers, explicit commands for mothers, and explicit commands for children with the recognition that all of them would be listening to this letter. They would all be listening to him. And so all of us have the opportunity, whether we're a father or a mother or not, we have the opportunity to influence those children that are around us by praying for them and by showing them genuine love. The first thing that we see in, the, in this passage is the motive. Paul gives us that motive. God's love. God's love. The second thing we see is the method. We pray for the children. We genuinely love the children. And the last thing we see is the mark of that influence. Paul shows us how we will know that we are influencing these children. The first mark is a mark of true faith. You see in the ver- first part of verse five, "'I am reminded of your sincere faith.'" It is his true, his absolutely true faith. There is that sincere faith within him. Don't ever underestimate the work that God is doing in the children that are around you and the sincere faith that is coming as a result of the gospel that they hear on Sunday in the songs that they sing, in the words that they say, in the scripture that they read. Timothy had that sincere faith. The second mark, though, is of a generational faith. He says, your grandmother Lois. It's interesting that Paul mentions uh, females here. What we learn is that the early church apparently had a high number of females in the church. There are a variety of different reasons as to why that might be. But one of the reasons that we are almost certain of is because the Roman Empire at that time had a a thing called... uh, They were exposing unwanted infants. And what that meant was they would take unwanted infants, put them out in the woods, and leave them there to die of exposure. Christians from the very beginning of the church hated that practice... They hated the practice of not treating a child no matter how small the child was as a human being. And so Christians would go out and get those children. Most often they were female children because it was a patriarchal society. And so sons were always treated better by the Roman hierarchy than daughters. But Christians didn't see that. They went out and they, they took those children and they raised them as their own. There's a mark of that generational faith that, that Paul says, you learned of this faith from your grandmother Lois. And then there's the mark of history. Paul taught to Timothy, reminded him of the things that he had learned from his grandmother and from his mother. Timothy carried on the preaching of Paul. And today, we read about these two women's names because of the fact that Timothy carried on that preaching. The good news of the gospel is that God uses those people whom we would never expect. God uses little people to do great things. Even though those that are sitting around you might be just kids, God looks to them and realizes the great and miraculous and amazing things that they can do. D.L. Moody was a man who spoke to more people than any other person in his lifetime. He used to speak to giant crowds of people. And they would give out tickets because the tickets didn't cost anything, but because the crowds were just too big. D.L. Moody was a man who started out in his life without much education, and he worked in a shoe store. And one day, a man from the church came in, went into the shoe store, and he says, I wasn't very good at it, but I put my hand on the shoulder of Mr. Moody, and I told him the gospel. And as a result of that man going and speaking to D.L. Moody, thousands of people came to Christ. Think of John Chrysostom. John Chrysostom was a a, a hero of the 4th century. He was one of the greatest preachers that the church has ever produced. His sermons are still read, even today, by church historians. He's called the golden-mouthed one because of his preaching. And yet... John Chrysostom wrote that his mother, Anthusia, not only taught him about Christianity, but she modeled it greater than anyone else. It's an amazing thing that John Chrysostom was impacted, that John Chrysostom was marked for Christianity by the things that his mother did. Augustine became a Christian because his mother, Monica, prayed for him. And one day, when he was in this horrid, relationship with many women and he did all sorts of things that he shouldn't have done and then one day he's standing in a garden and he hears a little child's voice saying tole lege tole lege in latin means take up and read take up and read and so he took up the bible opened it to the very first place he found and there he read a scripture condemning drunkenness And unruliness and telling that person to turn to Christ and Augustine did. Augustine, one of the greatest voices, one of the most brilliant voices of the first century of Christianity, came to Christ because of his mother and because of some little child whom he never knew whom it was. It's an amazing thing to think that all of us and any of us can influence those that are around us and we never know what they might do for the kingdom. Charles Spurgeon, perhaps the, the greatest preacher of the last several hundred years, was a young man in London. He wanted to go to his regular church, but it was snowing so hard that he couldn't get there. And so he, he stopped at another church, a primitive Methodist chapel that's still known today. And as it turns out, the minister couldn't get there because of the snow. And so some untrained man just had to stand up, and do the best that he could. He stood up that day, did the best that he could, preaching about Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me and be saved. And he said to Spurgeon, young man, you look miserable. Look unto Christ and be saved. And it was that day that Spurgeon, numbers of times in his works, he tells about how his life was changed. We don't know the man who was preaching. There have been thousands of hours of of work trying to find out who that man was and even still today we don't know. That man though influenced history in a way that he probably never realized. And so I ask you today, who do you have that is sitting near you? Who do you have in your neighborhood? Who do you have in your small group? They're just kids. But just like Timothy, just like Augustine, just like Chrysostom, just like D.L. Moody, just like Spurgeon, the world is changed when children are influenced. And you have the great and wonderful opportunity to pray for them, to love them, to show them the marks of Christianity, and to change the history of the world because you influence a child. I hope that you will.